Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Hullcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the executive director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Hullcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Hullcraft, professor and director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Welcome to Awaken on Real Presence Radio. I'm one of your hosts, co-host Mark Holcraft, standing in with my brother, Dr. Joe Holcraft. Joe, how are you doing? I am doing well. As always, good to be with you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. So good to be with you. Uh, and so good just to continue. You know, as we're going through these episodes, uh, spending a lot of time on prayer, because really we're, we're breaking open your book, Unleashing the Power of Intercessory Prayer. We're going into today, today's theme, praying from the heart, which is actually probably a more common phrase that a lot of our listeners are used to. So I'm excited sure. today because uh, when we pray from the heart, I think there could be a lot of misconceptions about what that can mean. What is praying from the heart? Sure. Where are we going to? So just to give some clarity, um, and not just clarity, but kind of embolden us. You know, I found myself, Joe, I kind of, I, I reread some portions of this chapter and uh, I just, I kind of get fired up, you know, cause yeah. it's these, well, these phrases we use, we're using these phrases, praying, praying from the heart, uh, or just, just the terms intercessory prayer, praying for others. You know, last, in our last episode, we talked about, uh, intercessory prayer in, uh, Oh gosh, Joe! I just I just gapped. <laughs> praying and uh, pr- praying in faith and praying for an faith. increase in faith. I, I just gapped <laughs> in faith. Uh, but praying for an increase of faith, uh, increasing confidence to pray with confidence, right? Yeah. Um, and so the transition from that to praying from the heart. Uh, that yeah. being said, yeah. Joe, can you lead us in an opening prayer? Of course, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we is call down uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit into this space. Open our minds and hearts that you would have us uh, say and speak to the things that you desire. And, and as always, we pray for those who might be listening to these words. That again, these are words that come from you, Lord, by the grace of God. We pray all these things in your most holy name. And we do so from the deepest place of conviction in our heart. Amen. In the name of Amen. the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, so of course. There, there's, uh, there's an old saying, we've all heard it before, home is where your heart is. Yeah. And yeah. as so many things, Joe, so many of these phrases that we've heard that we're familiar mm. with, when all of a sudden we look at these phrases through the lens of faith, something changes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So yep. home, is where, yep. home is where your heart is, but then to see that phrase, to utter that phrase through the lens of faith, it's like, huh. And and my personality is a little bit more such. I think as I get older, I become a little more literal, for better or worse. <laughs> it's just real, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, I have a yeah, tendency sure. to to almost dissect, like, but uh, but praying from the heart, Joe. You know, Homer's where your heart is. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, well, let's start, Mark, with paragraph twenty five sixty three in the Catechism. I know we haven't read a lot of the Catechism, but. Uh, 
And God have mercy on our souls, because there we're going to find the richness of our faith. Um, in paragraph 2563, we really have uh, this beautiful picture of, of what it means to uh, talk about the heart, especially as it comes from sacred scripture. I think this will lay the foundation for us, Mark. So this is paragraph 2563. The heart is the dwelling place where I am, where I live. According to the biblical expression, the heart is the place to which I withdraw. The heart is our hidden center, beyond the grasp of our reason and of, of others. I love that part. Only the Spirit of God can fathom the human heart and know it fully. The heart is the place of decision, deeper than our psychic drives. It is the place of truth where we choose life or death. It is the place of encounter because as in image of God we live in relation it is the place of covenant. So, Mark, it's really interesting. If you were to read sacred scripture, you find uh, the Hebrew and Greek word for heart over 1,000 times. Over 1,000 times, which by far makes it the most anthropological term in, in the Bible. Uh, the heart is, as the catechism referenced, really essentially, the center of of who we are, the center of who we are. St. Augustine you know, says that, that the, the, the heart is the faculty that tells us and shows us how to love, right? He had this, uh, this Latin phrase, amores, uh, amor meus pandus meum, amor meus pandus meum. It's rhythmic in its prose, right? It, it meant, uh, my love is my weight. My love is my gravity. My, my love is my, my density, if you will. And we could even say, uh, my love is my destiny. Huh. My love is everything. I go where my love is. Now, Mark, <clears throat> to really distill this point, we don't have to, I think, imagine too far what St. Augustine is saying here. Um, you and I are uh, fans of Notre Dame football. Right. We just kind of will we'll follow Notre Dame football when they're playing. You know, <clears throat> Colby's my oldest son is starting to follow Notre Dame football, probably more so than I am now. <laughs> He's texting me updates on different things. Oh, boy. You know, and we've, we've been talking about going to see games maybe next year. Right. We're closer to, to Notre Dame Stadium. And no doubt on a secular level, we're following Notre Dame because in a manner of speaking, we love, for better or worse, Notre Dame, right? We, we follow them. So much so that we will travel to different points across the country to watch Notre Dame football because this is what we've grown to love. Now, of course, as in all things, when it comes to that which is secular, you always have to temper them. But I think for our listening audience uh, they can begin to get a sense of what St. Augustine is talking about. Because when this is Jesus, when when Jesus is your love, then you go wherever he takes you. And this right. begins, I think, Mark, to get out, uh, to get out what you're saying. My, my, my home is, is where my heart is. Because, um, you know, what you feed grows, right? What you feed grows. The more time you spend with something, the more you're going to fall in love with that something or someone. Um, and again, the, the, the tension here on earth is, is that battle. How much time are we spending with this or that? St. Augustine would challenge us to say, 
let that love be God. Let your gravity, your, your, your weight, your, your density, and ultimately your destiny be God. To, life, uh, to live, Mark, is to love, and to love is to choose. And what's before us is to choose God anywhere and everywhere. Now, what does this have to do with intercessory prayer? Well, uh, what was the first tip but to invite the Holy Spirit into our life? The, the Holy Spirit needs a place to live. The Holy Spirit, Mark, dare I say, needs a home. Right, <laughs> and when we invite the reside? Holy Spirit into our heart, the heart then is, is the Holy Spirit's home. And what's going to happen? The heart is not only going to be inflamed because this is the Holy Spirit that now abides there, but it's also going to enlarge. It's also going to expand. And in some cases in history, we've actually seen this. You talked, a, uh, you just talked a bit ago about literally, literally, this is what happened to St. Philip Neri. His ribs broke and they thought it was because he had some disease or some problem with his heart. Well, he never had the disease, and they had concluded that ultimately his heart was so full of God that metaphysically, as <laughs> a supernatural miracle, it, you know, exploded his, his, his ribs. And so, um, this kind of thing, literally, yeah, but generally, uh, metaphorically, is what is to take place when uh, we invite the Holy Spirit to our hearts. And, and certainly then, Mark, we can say, Again, focusing on intercessory prayer, the Holy Spirit is going to show us how to better love and, and how to better pray and how, how to better be intentional in, in how we pray for others. So the heart, uh, understanding the importance of love as, as the, the, the charity that flows from the heart and what that looks like in intercessory prayer. Um, good stuff. Oh, it's <laughs> good <cool>. stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's so important because essentially what I hear you saying, at least in what comes to my mind, is uh, it's all about the landscape. What's the landscape that we're praying in and from? And in this case, what's the landscape mm. of our heart? You know, mm. uh, <laughs> we're, we're children of the 80s, you know, in the sense, and boy, that can be taken in all kinds of ways, but I particularly mean <laughs> in, in the sense going, of entertainment, the time entertainment <laughs> movies, the IMDb world. Uh, anyway, yeah. no, no, uh, in movies, you know, and as you were talking about, I, kind of from your quote from Augustine, uh, and talking about how the heart and the weight, you know, and the heart, and of mm. course, my mind, he said, my heart and like, in, in essence, its density. I went to Back to the Future. McFly. Hello, McFly. Oh, okay. We all know McFly. Side okay. note. <laughs> yeah. Tom Wilson, the guy who played Buff. Is a faithful, is a faithful Catholic, if that's not ironic, you know? You gotta yeah, love it. Awesome. Um, so, but, uh, the guy who plays McFly, they go back to the 50s, right? From 85 to 55, you know, and they're at the, it's the scene, they're at the prom. Uh, I forget what they called it in the 50s, uh, a setting that they played it, went back to. But of course, they go back to McFly, who is long lost love that he's, you know, always adored through high school. Oh, yes. And oh, he, yes, yes. He's preparing as they're in the malt shop. He's preparing to go make his like introduction. And of course, he's doing yeah. the whole like, <laughs> you are my density. No, no. <laughs> you are my destiny. Who knew McFly was prophetic and going, going right. around with Augustine? McFly was That's going right. Augustine on it. <laughs> <laughs> a more a more meus pandus pandus uh, uh, meum mark mark right there is 
his his love was his weight was his density. That's right. Talk to me. Talk to me. Uh, was I thinking that the first time I saw Back to the Future? No. <laughs> no. no. But but and nor so, was probably anyone else. But but uh, that's that's what we do here, Mark on Awaken. Exactly. <laughs> Back into the fifties. Uh, in 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 God's eyes, He saw it all. But but I say that too because the landscape. What you know, you are. You become what you feed. Well, gosh, I can't tell you. I mean, I used to be able to quote, as you know, movies left and right, you know, because yeah. that's what I fed. And that's what was starting to fill the room of my heart. And after a mm. while, you fill the room, you fill your heart, you fill your mind with so much stuff. It's not even so much that it's like bad. You know, in many ways, Back to the Future is a rather wholesome movie in many ways, but it just sure. starts to be stuff and you start mm-hmm. to collect it. And, but as you're talking and we're talking about, you know, to pray from the heart. Well, if the landscape of the heart is just filled with stuff, I'm sorry. Sometimes stuff just gets ugly, you know? And so as I've gotten older, my boys laugh at me like, dad, you used to be able to quote movies. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just don't watch as many Mm -hmm. movies, you know, for all the humor of it. And I enjoy it, but I just don't. The same thing with music, songs, uh, so many things that we let enter in through the senses. It really mm-hmm. does impact, mm-hmm. as you say, like, well, I'm saying the landscape. And so to pray from the heart and yet, and then that saying home is where your heart is. Well, what, what am I allowing to be in my home under my roof? Cause then, you know, of course is the prayer and the mass, you know, uh, what yeah. is under my roof, right? Cause that's yeah. also what we're getting at the interior needs to be made clean. You know, that's in one of the, one of the lines we've talked about this a long time ago, Joe, but there's a the great line, I think from John Paul too, when he refers to the secularization of the interiority, you know, mm. and how mm. that, that's what it is. And secularization isn't always going to come at us so aggressively or even ugly. A lot of times it comes very appealing. The evil one is very clever. Oh yes. Um, oh yes. You know, and sometimes it's, it, like I said, as my word, it's just stuff, but that stuff needs to be cleaned out. So it does. And, and Mark, we have to be very intentional about that, right? We have to be very intentional. And, and it's not always things, but maybe ideas. Uh, maybe it's, it's the dwelling upon something. I, I think that happens quite a bit. Uh, what, what consumes our mind and most certainly our heart is maybe a going back to a situation or a conversation you had that you wanted to do over. Uh, for the many conversations I've been in, I, I would say that's the one thing that gets us the most, um, especially today. It just seems like there's a, uh, there's an overemphasis that we place on wanting to, to do things over as opposed to forgiving self and, and, and forgiving other, uh, others and moving on. So yeah, it's, it's just not things. And, and even ideas, but sometimes, uh, the desire to do something over again, we have to accept our, our limitations and, and be humble and, and to move on and to move forward. We're all broken, Mark. And it's really important to, to understand that. And, and it's, in, it's interesting, Mark, because as I say that word, <laughs> that might be a segue to, um, the next point, because when it comes to intercessory prayer, we have to, uh, be sensitive to the one who is sharing us with their request that they are making themselves vulnerable. Right, Mark? Uh, Absolutely. 
For me, I, I'm, I'm very careful with, with what I share and who I share it with. And that's a good thing. But I do have to go to other, you know, John Paul II says God saves us in communion and, and to be able to, to go to someone who, who you trust to pray for something, um, is an act of becoming vulnerable, right? You know, I, you know what, uh, Mark, I need your prayers on, on something on this one thing because I'm struggling with this one thing. And, uh, that's an act of humility. It, it's an act of vulnerability. And I dare say, Mark, and it's a point I make in the book because it's, it's a much bigger point that we need to, I think, adhere to. It's an act of salvation. And by that, I mean, you know, salvation means at its core, save, healing ointment, right? Save, like balm, healing ointment. Uh, vulnerable means to, to injure, to harm, to strike out, uh, to, to strike at, uh, even to pluck or tear, a tear. Jesus on the cross uh, was all of those things. And as he was, he shows us what it means to be vulnerable. And oh, by the way, the cross is the instrument to our salvation, right? Right. right. So if we are going to, as Paul reminds us in Philippians 2, to work out our, our, work out our salvation in fear and trembling, we do so um, in that disposition of, of becoming vulnerable. Uh, the word vulnerable uh, really is something we should espouse to, to the degree that we are opening ourselves up to God, to Christ, and his healing ointment to save us. And a way in which we do this is to um, have others help us in that journey, right? To, to, to pray for us in, in our brokenness and our woundedness. Well, and, and it ties, ties right into the word compassion, you know, to, mm. to share with, to share in a certain sense, to share misery with, but compassion, to, to share the heart, to share with their heart. And that's what we're yes, talking about yeah. today. You know, Joe, we're, we're coming up on our first break. And so when we come back, let's talk about this, dive a little bit more into vulnerability. And we'll also discuss what does it mean to pray with your whole heart? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Welcome back to Awaken, Real Presence Radio. I'm Mark Holcraft, sitting in with Dr. Joe Holcraft. And uh, to pick up where we left off before the break, we just started entering into a discussion about vulnerability, what it means to be vulnerable, and the ties that the, literally the word vulnerable has to wound and connecting it to the wounds of Christ, Christ on the cross. Um, but we're also we're going to start to venture toward the importance of praying wholeheartedly. Um, but Joe, mm. I'm not sure you quite had a chance to finish up what you were saying regarding just the importance of praying with vulnerability. Like when you're, 
know, when you're praying with someone else, and I, I had made the connection, that's really when you get to the heart of compassion. You know, when someone prays yeah. with compassion, like you, the, the, there's a kind of a weakness, a revealing of yourself, because that's also a part of vulnerabilities. You're revealing an inner part of yourself that usually appears yeah. weak, you know, and when we're weak, God is strong. You know, we've all heard Amen. that many times. Mm-hmm. But Amen. when we come, we can never hear it enough. <laughs> well, it's true. It's really it's true. And so, uh, when we come back to that, uh, we're praying with somebody, making ourselves uh, known, if you will, more our needs or the needs of others. Mm-hmm. People have asked us to pray for them, and we just that the whole the communion of prayer. We invite others to pray for them. You know, uh, I just. Just over the weekend, Joe, I just found out, actually this morning, uh, a mother unexpectedly passed away, right? There's a missionary uh, who's out doing God's work, and uh, her mother unexpectedly passed away with a heart attack. And so we pray for this mother, we pray for this family. But immediately, the commitment to prayer, I mean, it's inspiring. You know, my son told my wife, my wife told me, I brought it up at prayer this morning amongst our staff. Immediately, like three or four times removed, and that's happening, I'm sure, all over the country. This is the the impact of just intercessory prayer. But then to pray from the heart, like this particular example, someone's mother passed away. We don't obviously not only not make light of it, but almost everyone can identify that, you know, that's a part of a, a lived reality for them, their mother. And so all of a sudden, in a different way, the heart enters into the picture, right? Yeah. And this, so yep. you yep. hit upon that topic of, I'm speaking of, by way of example, when someone we know maybe has passed away, you know, or someone yeah. that we know is really sick or sickly. Yeah. And, we, and we, don't, we don't hesitate. Hopefully we don't hesitate. You know, if someone's passed away, we pray for the soul to be made pure and clean that they would one, one day encounter Christ face to face, right? Be with him in heaven, yeah. ultimately. But then when someone's passed, or when someone's sick, uh, we ought not hesitate. Lord, please, your healing hand, your healing hand, please heal. So there's so many ways and avenues of intercession. Those are kind of heavier, heavy hitters. Um, but we, let's not make a light of what might be, you know, the, the, the lesser than, right? Of different yeah. Um, yeah. examples of praying for someone. But, what what do we mean by putting your heart into that, Joe? To pray wholeheartedly? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, just to to finish up the the initial point, and then segue into that question, Mark. Uh, yes, I think uh, just to again button up the the wound, uh, the topic of the wound. Something we we should be reminded of, especially during this uh, Easter season that we are still in. Right, is that this is a season of reconciliation. Right. If if Lent was the season of conversion, this is the season of reconciliation. Jesus constantly revealing himself to his apostles again and again. This is what we're reading every Sunday. And of course, as he does, he's revealing himself um, in in very particular ways. Now, of course, we know in the encounter with St. Thomas, the apostle Thomas, he's showing him his wound. But these are now wounds glorified. Right. Uh, incidentally, uh, after Sister Faustina had seen the first etching painting of of Jesus, as Jesus instructed her to have, it was missing one thing: his wounds. Uh, so uh, 
his glorified wounds are very important because it's the wound that ultimately brings about our salvation in so far as, you know, you and I, Mark, and, and all of us as a people of God uh, coming to understand that we need to deal with our wounds, right? And, and understand that these wounds will be glorified in God um, to, to the degree that we turn them over to him. So I think that's really important. Now, with respect to praying with your whole heart, gosh, Mark, so much here. This, you know, the, the, if someone asked me the question, Joe, why did you write the book? My first answer is, and speaking of just being humbled, I was not, um, brutally honest, I was not responding to the question wholeheartedly, right? Mm. Hey, Joe, can you pray for this? Can you pray for that? I was, but I wasn't giving Mark 100%, if you will. At times, I, I might have given 75% or, or 60% or 30% or even 10%, and it bothered me. It weighed on my conscience, and I started to wrestle with it. Why am I not responding to the call? And there are a lot of reasons, Mark, but I found myself going back to the Beatitudes. In Matthew 5, when Jesus says, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. That is a huge beatitude. It, it is jam-packed with very important insight for us. Uh, the blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. So I think all of us, Mark, want to see God, right? I mean, this is, I, I think, when it's all said and done, one of the great aches of man is to see God. And, and so Jesus said, well, this is how you do it, right? Be pure of heart. The Greek there, Mark, is katharos. It translates as pure, great, uh, modest even, it can translate in English. But the actual Greek probably best translates as without mixture, uh, right? Or to be one thing. The idea there, Mark, in principle is really what we were speaking to earlier, to be single-hearted, uh, whether it be the landscape or the room, however we're going to talk about our heart, to make sure that there's less, so there can be more of God, right? So a, a single-heartedness, a single-mindedness. So if we're going to pray with a whole heart, that means that we can't be distracted over here, right, or over there. I'm looking out here, and I can tell you about the cardinals that are out there right now, which is pretty cool, but, you yeah. know, and that's not going to get us very far in this conversation. So, and that's how Satan wants to work. Satan wants to distract us. You know, sometimes... There's what we can call a holy spontaneity or a holy flexibility where God calls us um, in a very unexpected way to do something for him for sure. But we also have to be prudent, right? And we have to be single-minded. We, we can't be distracted. Satan, again, by, defi by definition, diabolos, the, the, the Greek word for devil, means to scatter or to distract. So to be single-minded is what I'm doing right now about and for God? That's a very important question we have to be asking all the time, every day. And, and I make the point in the book that this is really um, what we're after, right? Every night we should be doing a, a kind of examine where we're, we're, we are reflecting critically about uh, what we're doing, who we are. You know, are we representing God? Are we living out faithfully our sonship in Christ? So all of this is relevant to praying with a whole heart, Mark, because if I'm far more concerned about what's going on with, not to overdo it, but 
a Notre Dame football game, I'm not going to be able to give myself to my wife, my kids, and so on and so forth as I need to. So it's, it's about simplifying, right? Simplifying. And now here's the other thing, Mark. Maybe, just maybe you're going through something. You're the one. Someone's come to you for prayer, but you're the one going through something. Maybe it's a relationship, something going on at work. Maybe something's off in, in, in your family, whatever it might be. Um, and, and you feel like you can't give 100%. I got this question a lot. Well, if all you have to give is 25%, then give 100% of the 25 Right, exactly. Right? And this can actually be, uh, Mark, a moment, I think, of, of solidarity. You know, there's something to be said about praying for someone who is suffering in and through something as one who is currently suffering. I think there's great uh, power, Mark, in that kind of intercessory prayer. So to pray wholeheartedly is really to, to give 100%. This is the prayer we, we read in, in 2 Kings, I believe it was, 2 Kings 20 from, from King Hezekiah, right? Uh, the prophet tells him he, he's to die. and He's not ready to die. He doesn't want to die. And he, he prays. We read with his whole heart and, and, in, and in tears, and, and God grants him another 15 years, right? So when we pray with that deep conviction, with all that we have, um, that's the kind of wholeheartedness that, that I'm after, Mark. And, and it's one that starts with a simplification, right, that leads to this single-heartedness, this single-mindedness, this mind and heart that essentially isn't looking over there or, or looking over here. Satan um, has been very good and uh, making us busy. We're talking about movies. All right, I've got to get my, my movie in more. <laughs> you know, it was uh, Shawshank Redemption. And the librarian, he'd been in Shawshank, the Shawshank prison for, I don't know, what was it, 50, 55 years. And he's writing his, his fellow brothers back in prison. And his one line was, man, this world got itself in one big damn hurry. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. And I thought, gosh. It's just that that really struck me, Mark, because here we are in 2021 and we're constantly focused on the next thing, which means what? We're not focused on the one thing that's before us. And, you know, it's very easy for us as Christians and, and as Catholics to want to do a lot of good things. But if we're doing 10 good things, are we then doing any one thing right or well? No. Right. So it's the one thing and that one thing is always Jesus Christ. And listening to him, okay, Lord, what is it that you desire me to do? Um, and this all leads to the wholehearted prayer. Well, and, and Joe, I, this is a bit of a tangent, but a nugget, you know, as, as a point of discernment, not every good is a willed good. You know, Amen. And so as you were talking about that, we could be doing five, ten good things you know, on the surface, or they could be good things, and yet not one of them might be the willed good that we need to be. You know, and you referred to you know, earlier, just the idea of uh, always thinking ahead to what the next thing is, that we're never, you know, where I thought you were going to say, uh, but we forget the one thing that's in front of us, and that, that being the present. And so we're, we're not present. Yeah, yeah. And so physically, yeah. uh, we're not present to the present, if you will. Um, but as you talk, you know, gosh, Joe, so many things just... I think I just want to make a couple of connections, you know, because it's, it's what was stirring in my mind, stirring in my heart. Sure. So for any of our listeners, if it helps just to make a connection, because we're talking, you're talking about being half-hearted versus wholehearted, you know, and you even uh, made the connection of the word Diablo, 
referring to the devil and how that, that means to, uh, you didn't use the word to, to divide, but to separate, to scatter. To scatter, you know? quite literally. And so, yeah. and so to scatter, yeah. and well, this is part of it. Like once, once you're kind of broken in half or many pieces or your attention is divided in all these different directions, that really, it can be a kind of scattering. It can be a kind of scattering. Now, that's there as a dad who's called to give my attention to all six of my children and to my wife. That's not a scattered. It can feel scattered <laughs> at times, but that's, yeah, yeah, that's not yeah. a scattered, right? Uh, you can engage, sure, engage sure. all together or in little pieces. I can play a game with Sophia and then come and play, shoot some hoops with, with Michael or the, or the boys or different things like that. But then there's, there is the scattered where you're like half-hearted, or you just you only give it half of your attention. It lacks the authenticity, and I think that was a word too that that surfaced for me. Is you know, if someone had to translate or almost define, how do you pray wholeheartedly? Maybe another way to put it is you pray with authenticity, like you said, mm. that single-mindedness, mm. where you just you giving your yeah. whole mind, your whole heart to to prayer to God, or maybe yeah. in that form of intercession. And I guess my last thought. Because it was just, this is a visual that has really struck me powerfully over the years. And, uh, you know, God knows me. What, what is used to get my attention? A cartoon. <laughs> you know? uh, and not so much a cartoon as like TV, but as much as a newspaper, uh, a cartoon, uh, if you will. And um, kind of a, uh, almost like a comic strip, but it wasn't meant to be. And it, and it was in something uh, like a card, you know, a card you give to a person. But it was so simple and beautiful uh, is the image of a, is a little stick figure <laughs> that just said, uh, God, I don't have much to give you, but I'll give you what I have. And it makes a point of saying, and when he lifts his hands up, he lifts his hands, his hands are empty. It's like, I don't, I don't have much, but the little that I have, I'm going to give you. And, yeah. and your point in that is then give 100% of the 50 that you have. <laughs> give your whole self and, that, and that's that's what stands out to me is even if you think you have little or nothing to give the mere act of giving god that nothing that you think is nothing is everything because Amen. it's the whole idea of giving god your, your everything and so and and I, let's face it in our human world you know, or whether it's a secularization of things, whatever ism <laughs> that, that is yeah. there, uh, it wanna points to make us like make us feel like we have less to give than what we do. That we have less period, you know, just we, that we just have less than what we really do. And yet if our focus, if our uh, if our impetus, if our motivation, regardless is just to give God what we have, give God the nothing that we have, to give our attention to God in all things, um, we come wholeheartedly. Well, then all of a sudden, the efficaciousness of that prayer, which doesn't, I don't want to mislead people to think that it, it depends on us, but there is, it's, we talked about this before, Joe, that cooperation. How do we cooperate with what God so desires to give? Um, so hopefully that sheds a little light a little more light for our listeners. And if nothing else, to not be ashamed that if the Holy Spirit uses cartoon images to foster your spirituality. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No shame in that. No shame in that. Um, Joe, we are coming uh, to another break already pretty quickly here. 
Um, any just last minute pieces you wanted to, as you said earlier, button up in regards to praying with your whole heart? Sure. Uh, yeah. Just to dovetail what you just said, Mark, uh, when we are down to nothing, God is always up to something. And always that something is filling us up with more of him because we have made more room for him. And that's the offering he's looking for, Mark. And I think that's what you were speaking to. Yeah. Uh, Joe, well said. Well said. Thank you for that. So uh, when we return, we're going to talk about it's that time of the episode, time of the show when it comes to saints. And, you know, we like to try to keep it at, you know, build a little drama. Who's it going to be? Uh, none of that today. We're talking St. John Vianney. Uh, we're very excited <laughs> to talk about St. John Vianney. So when we, t- when we come back, we'll talk about St. John Vianney and that his witness of praying through a whole heart. You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break. Is there an event that you would like announced right here on the RPR Network? Please email the details at least two weeks in advance to heather at realpresenceradio.com. That's H-E-A-T-H-E-R at realpresenceradio.com. We can help spread the word about what's happening at your parish and in your diocese. Again, that email address is heather at realpresenceradio.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Awaken, Real Presence Radio's show with Mark and Joe Holcraft. Uh, we're excited to continue to share with you what it is to pray from the heart. That's what we've been discussing so far. And before we left for the break, I discussed or mentioned that we'll be talking about St. John Vianney. Uh, St. John Vianney, uh, many of our listeners, many of you would have uh, heard of him. You know bits and pieces of his story. Um, a patron saint of priests, parish priests in particular. Um, you know, you know. <laughs> this is my, my baseball cards analogy when it comes to the saints, if you will. You know the saints are like like upper echelon saints. They're your, they're your MLB all-stars if they're like patriot of multiple things. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> our, our kids, yeah. you know, they've, they've made their own like trading cards of different, uh, if they're like different superheroes. And they're actually, I've even put out there, it's like, you guys should really put something together for the saints. And they have a rating system, yeah. you know? And so there's like <laughs> the ultimate, the ultimate all-stars of like the superheroes they're like your five star they've done it with nba players they've done it with nfl football players <laughs> um so they'll have like a five star and there's only like one five star for each like position okay so it's kind of mm-hmm. like the, the coveted uh rating and yeah, then you got yeah. more four stars more three stars i want to know who the saint is in their mind that's like the five star and how they would categorize yeah. it <laughs> yeah uh, i well, I, you know, I tell you what, Mark, and it's funny, I don't know if this is why it came to your mind, but when I sat down to to write, and as I was reflecting upon St. John Vianney, I was struck by, uh, dare I say, the five-star quality of St. John Vianney, of which you already hinted at, with him being the patron saint of more than one thing, but many things. Uh, the one thing that kind of clued me into his five-star status was uh, the, the number of people who showed up for his funeral. 
<laughs> I mean, some of these saints, no doubt, have huge turnouts, but that kind of thing, and, and also uh, the quickness to which a saint is um, identified as a servant of God and, and then elevated to, to, you know, one who is beatified and ultimately canonized. Uh, we saw that with, with Mother Teresa, right? That did not take very long. So there's a five-star quality. Now, I think we have somewhere between 11 to 12,000 saints, and for all intents and purposes, <laughs> how can we demote any of them to a four-star, right? <laughs> but th- there is something to say about St. John Vianney with, with where you were going. Um, and, and two, just a, a, a thumbnail sketch of his bio. You know, he was born in, in 1786, Mark, and, and that's an important date because as I think it was last week, if it wasn't our last episode, if it wasn't two episodes ago, you really focus on context within a sacred scripture. Well, we can also say that in history. Um, each and every one of us, Mark, we are born at a particular time in a particular place by God's design, right? By God's design. It, it, the circumstances uh, around us um, kind of help shape and form us. Not that we allow them to dictate who we are in as much as who we are shapes and form, uh, helps shape and form those those times. So, St. John Vianney, 1786, relevant because this is the dawn of the French Revolution, Mark. And, and, you know, in France, so then late 18th century, early 19th century, you're dealing with uh, very anti-Catholic times, right? Political fanatics burning churches, um, uh, storming uh, rectories, uh, persecuting clergy, and and to to some degree, even to um, their martyrs' death. And so this was the day and age that, that uh, young John Vianney was born into. He had received his first communion, and it was documented that uh, a seed was planted for his vocation. He eventually would enter the seminary at the age of 20 in France. Now, St. John Vianney's story is, is well known at this time because his days in the seminary were quite turbulent, right? Uh, he, he, struggled, he struggled with his studies. And in fact, right before his ordination back then in France, you had to pass his final exam. It's a little bit different than it is today, but you have to pass his final exam. And he failed it twice, not once, but twice. And so there was speculation and discussion on whether or not he should even be ordained. But it was one Father Bali in France, who was a local priest, a priest local to the seminary he lived, that saw something in young uh, John Vianney, his heart for the poor, his love for the faith, um, and his sense uh, and his sense to and his drive and his conviction to evangelize. So he took him on uh, as a personal tutor, and he helped him with his studies. Eventually, uh, as Saint John Vianney, as then Father John Vianney would say, it was Father Bali who helped him get ordained because he helped him pass that final exam. So he was ordained at the age of thirty, and he was sent to this little town. In France, ours, France, this little village, not even town, but a village, no more than I read anywhere from 200 to 250. It was a town known for its drunkenness and debauchery. And some have suggested that the bishop sent him there because, well, he really didn't have anywhere else to send him but this little unknown village. And yet, uh, history would forever be changed. Just not in this little village, Mark, but really France and I dare say the world. Uh, you already uh, spoke to it, and I talked about it. Um, this is a a five plus star saint uh, for good reason. He was a man of deep devotion, Mark, and 
I, I think we didn't get into it earlier with respect to the importance of praying from the heart in contemplation, but he was a man of contemplation, deep contemplation. He would spend hours in contemplation before the Blessed Sacrament. This was um, the place from which he would begin to do his great work. As I noted, he had a great love for the poor. He had a conviction to evangelize. You saw that really, Mark, in his inspirational, charismatic uh, preaching. And no doubt he was known to, to challenge the drunkard or, or the one who, who was sinning. But as he did, he was a man of compassion. He was a man of mercy. He was a man of suffering with. And people began to hear him. People began to be drawn to him almost like a gravitational pull, Mark. And, and it, it wasn't, it didn't take long for Father John Vianney to begin to, to be known as he is today as, as the great confessor. He would spend as many as 16 hours a day, 16 hours a day hearing confessions. Uh, people would wait for three days in this very long line just to have their confession heard by St. John Vianney. Uh, another uh, threshold or, or benchmark to his story, his life is no doubt he was a man who was um, constantly battling the devil. Uh, as it was documented by many, uh, St. John Vianney himself, Father John Vianney himself, it, it, not a night would go by where he didn't hear wicked voices, evil singing, even at times being thrown physically across rooms. Now, uh, that's all fun dinner room conversation, Mark. But what we have to understand here is that all of this happened because he was a man who gave God his whole heart. His, his whole life was but an offering to God. We have that great verse from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, that talks about how our lives are called to be a holy and acceptable offering to God, that our lives are a spiritual worship. This was Father John Vianney. Uh, a man of deep contemplation, a man of, of deep prayer, a man of deep intercession. And it's really interesting, Mark. So uh, Father John Vianney died, uh, I think it was at 65. And uh, as I had already noted, there are many who attended his funeral. But if there were 200 to 250 people in that village, over 7,000 priests attended his funeral, you know, I mean, I think the bishop was ready to declare him a saint uh, right then and there, and he probably would have if he could have canonically, right? Um, but uh, there at the end of his life, you know, all he wanted to do was give his heart to God. And what I love about his story is that he is an incorruptible, right? So his body has not decomposed, um, nor has his heart. So <laughs> during the time of his life, all these hearts sought out Father John. Of Vianney. And now his heart in a reliquary today, it was actually in the United States here recently, comes to us. Uh, that's the kind of wholeheartedness we're talking about, Mark. Um, and man, we have someone to turn to in this great figure, uh, St. John Vianney. Well, Joe, I love what you're saying. Uh, I mean, there's so many connections just referring to his heart, his incorrupt body. Uh, you know, other little tidbits that people might know or not know. You know, he was known as the curé de Ars. 
you know, and that's, I just totally, you know, people say Spanglish, they can combine Spanish and English. It's really kind of a, a front, can you say Fringlish, <laughs> you know, French and yeah. English, you know, the <laughs> yeah. curated R's, yeah. um, but just not to be confused, because I think sometimes we see these, uh, what appears to be a title or whatnot, and we see that, like, oh, cure, like he's, what was he cure, the cure of, and cure is just a French word for priest, right, priest, or, but, but past, yeah. parish, parish priest, um, but there is a kind of title in that, that that is what he was known by. Now, whether he was given the assignment uh, to be in ours, a very small town, because it's on the very edge of the diocese, and it's like, well, let's just set him aside. You know, whether that is the case or not, it's all points all the more to that he gave his whole heart to the people, you know, to the to the people of ours, not just the Catholics, but to the whole community. Uh, he he understood well not just that God is the God of all people, but that He's a priest for all people. Right, you know, Amen. to stand in that, and yeah, well said. I think in in those uh, that understanding, frankly, that's what we desire for our priests now. That's what we desire of our leadership now, you know. And to that, I would say one of the things that evolved in in uh, John Vianney actually talked about this a little bit, or he wrote about it, how when he kind of how he was very moved when he was made aware that people were starting to pray for him. And I just, this is a little bit of a, a turn, if you will, but I know I've heard many times, and I've, I've done it myself, uh, and I, it's, it's never a good thing to become critical of priests. Uh, mm. It's so important for us cause to, to, to look to our patron of priests, the patron of parish priests. What's one of the things we can draw from and learn from is the importance to pray for our priests. You know, I think it's Amen. infinitely important uh, more than I think we can ever realize. If we really understood yeah. when the priest stands in the persona Christi, what kind of attack that puts just on the priest just to stand in the persona Christi, we as the sheep got to be praying for our priests, uh, all of them. And if the priest appears to us to have more struggles or issues than most, then we need to double down in our prayer for that, for that other Christ, for that person of Christ. Um, because without the priest, Joe, as we know, we don't have the Catholic Church. We don't receive communion. No, no eating yet. Yep. You know, uh, no so priest, it, no Eucharist. No exactly. So, so, so much comes back to that. So we really need to pray for our priests. Um, but I also I appreciate what you said, too, about, uh, you know, Father Vianney. He was known. He did not take issue with confronting drunks. It's not like he went out of his way to find them. <laughs> they really were just there it was commonplace he, yeah he didn't he didn't have to yeah 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 and this is just it and i think it becomes a point for us you know to to pray in those moments we don't necessarily need to go looking for confrontation but with that spirit of christ the spirit of the saints that that sanctifying holiness to humbly go before your brothers and sisters who might struggle with maybe a sin that's very public you know to humbly go before them when it's put in front of us. So I just think there's so many things always for us to learn from our saints. Uh, I think those are a couple of things to draw from. And I, and I say this too, just, it's not just, not just uh, sticking with the theme of uh, being wholehearted, but the authenticity of it. When you engage someone, whether it's confrontational or just relational, um, when you engage them wholeheartedly, Something changes in the conversation, doesn't it, Joe? Something becomes more than endearing. You know, uh, it, it, you want to yeah. receive and, and give back. Go ahead. 
It really does, Mark. And I think it brings us back to Peter when he says, uh, give hope for the reasons that are inside of you and do so in gentleness and reverence, right? Um, these virtues of gentleness and reverence are the virtues by which um, help build the bridge that, that truth shall pass, right? And, and so there is that tendency to, uh, when we think about, you know, the, the bold preacher to preach truth and to point the finger. But in reality, uh, when someone is, is rooted in these virtues of, of gentleness and, and reverence, uh, sometimes that gets in the way. Just speak truth. And when you do so in those humble virtues, what you're doing is allowing the, the, the conversation to evolve. And yes, sometimes the, the, the truth will hurt. Um, but, you know, <laughs> what we have to understand is <clears throat> sometimes medication doesn't feel good, um, but we, we take it for a reason, right? And truth itself is a great medication. Um, it's, it's not something... It's not the hammer to the nail per se, um, but uh, as a as a bloom to the flower, it, it can be something attractive. Uh, and and what Saint John Vianney teaches us, really, really, Mark, as one who boldly, I mean, with great conviction, spoke truth, he did so out of a deep sense of both gentleness and reverence, and that was part of his charism. That was part of his popularity. Um, he spoke truth. Uh, of course, St. John Vianney, Father John Vianney was also known as um, a man who received this extraordinary gift of reading souls. So there was the occasion, as it, as it has been shared by a number of different people in his documents at the time of his canonization, uh, that he, um, he read their souls. So, he may, so he's, he's hearing this confession, and he's letting them know that they forgot about something. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, imagine do that. You really, do you or, really want to be that person? But but yeah, you, you do. Yeah. You do. I mean, that's a joke, yeah, but you do. Yeah, yeah. Or he would also, and I actually note this in my bookmark, and I, I, I give this story because it just touched me deeply. But uh, during uh, during um, the confession, he would weep, and and the penitent would ask, "Why are you weeping?" He was weeping for their tears, and really, this is a. a a beatitude moment. Bless are mo- uh, bless are those who mourn. Bless are those who mourn. And our Lord's just not talking about grieving someone that you have lost. That's part of it. But also grieving man's earthly plight. Mark, right? Um, and so this is what Father John Rivani was doing. It, it was it was his solidarity with Jesus Christ in persona Christi that led to this weeping and ultimately this profound gift of of being able to read souls that would ultimately draw souls closer to God. And I think, you know, it, it's funny, Mark, and I don't know how much, how we're doing with time, but we, we one last gotta wrap, point. We got to wrap it up. So yeah, please do. Okay. Yeah. Just real fast. The, the point was made recently how, or, or, or John Paul II made the comment about how you need to, you know, that the confessional lines are short, the Eucharist lines are long. And, you know, I was in conversation with a priest friend of mine about this and he made a great point. No doubt we need to be going to confession more. But if the priest makes himself available to the people, the people will respond. And this is what St. John Vianney. So I think we need to, we'll end right there. Uh, St. John Vianney, pray for us. This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Awaken comes to you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. 
Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Holcraft.